You're listening to Practically Catholic with your hosts, Natalia Schumann and Father Anthony Federico. Practically Catholic. My gosh, Father Anthony, it has been a hot minute since we have recorded. There's been lots of life that has transposed in the last month. Has it been a month? It's been a month. We had two mandatory evacuations for hurricanes in the time since I think that we've last recorded. That kind of, you know, upset my plans to say the least. But we've had a pandemic. <laughs> still we're in the middle of a pandemic. Doesn't we were... Mother Nature know that we need to reach souls? I what know. The heck? Seriously, what's going on? But let me tell you this. I made this resolution to go ahead and go to morning mass one day a week. With your kids or, or without? Without children. <laughs> we only have mass super early in the mornings here. And we live like 30 minutes away from town. So it takes a good 20, 25 minutes to go ahead and get over there. So it's not a small feat. Um, but today has been one of those days where like, well, let's, let me start over. Yesterday was one of those days where all the stars aligned and everything on the checklist and the to-do list got done all by like eight o'clock that I was like, wow, what do I do now? Twiddle my thumbs. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. So Obviously, I woke up this morning expecting that the same thing would go ahead and happen, but such is life that nothing has gone according to plan today, including the resolution to go to mass. I woke up this morning at six o'clock with a child in my bed, and the child refused to go back to sleep and then woke up her brother. <laughs> and then my ride left without me, even though I was one minute early to our meeting spot. It just. Didn't the child know that you had made resolutions and plans to further what you think the best way to live the day would be? Didn't the child I mean, know that? Didn't the ride know that? Seriously, right? We even had like a family meeting last night where we talked about this is what our family is going to do. Yeah, well. How often do you guys whew. have family meetings? Say it again. How often do you have these family meetings? You know, when mom has a freak out moment and needs everything to go more smoothly so and according to day. plan. <laughs> <laughs> I would say every dinner is a family meeting. There you go. <laughs> but I remember in one of our previous episodes, we talked about you guys read at the dinner table. Yeah, sometimes is that we still do. Going on? Yes, we just finished the Feast of the Sacred Heart, or sorry, the Feast of St. Margaret Mary was October 16, which coincides with my oldest daughter's birthday. So we chose to read one of the Encountering the Saints book from the Pauline. Pauline Press or Pauline? Pauline Media. Pauline Media. Ooh, shout yeah, out to good. Pauline. Nice job. Those sisters are great on Twitter. I follow a bunch of them on Twitter. Do you? I was Very super active. impressed yeah. with their book, and it was beautifully written and simply written. Obviously, I think that St. Margaret Mary was also just like a simple saint, so it was amazing to just like watch her. And then the discussions that we got to have afterwards, like, do you see how she wanted to do this? And even Jesus asked her to do this, but her superior said no. And out of obedience to them, she had to obey. It was a really good out lesson for our to kids. Mom and dad, you guys need to go to bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> out of obedience so to mom and dad, stay asleep till at least seven o'clock for crying out loud. 
God bless you guys. You and your husband, Ben, who we just saw before the podcast began recording. Ben is uh, fulfilling his role as husband and father by baking tiles in an oven <laughs> so that he can redo a second bathroom for your family. Is that what's going on right now? That is totally true. He's like Mr. Fix-It renovation man over here. That's part of just his dream and desire for this house. When we moved into it, we're borrowing it from our mission organization, Family Missions Company. And so, Shout out to Family Missions Company. Oof, shout out. Um, so part of our, I guess, gift back to FMC was to go ahead and renovate and update this house. And the subfloor in that particular bathroom was so rotten and bad that the tiles that were on it were cracking. And every time you stood in there, you'd get a little piece of the, uh, what do you call it? Grout stuck right in between yeah. your toes, like right in that soft bit of your foot. Yeah. That like sharp. Just a little flavor yeah. from oh, the house. Little, just a little mortification for you in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So my dad and mom came to visit uh, two weeks ago and they shout hadn't been. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Lena and David Fletcher. And dad hadn't been here but 24 hours before Ben and him decided to go ahead and rip out the entire bathroom and take the floor all the way down to the studs. And Jeepers. then they got super ambitious and decided to move a wall and a water heater. And there was a chimney, a part of an old chimney in the attic that they had to take out in order to move the wall. Oh, it was a project. <laughs> so it's like once they said, all right, we're going to start this renovation vibe going, they couldn't stop. And they ended up demolitioning the whole house down to the earth. Yes, it was unbelievable. For you. It was unbelievable. And yeah, they would be dirty and would be literally like washing their hands and shoving a sandwich in their mouth and going back to work. And man, it was a long week. It was super fun to have mom and dad here. The kids nice. absolutely loved it. They did so much work. It was unbelievable. And then I looked in the bathroom at one point and I was like, whoa, Ben, this is a project. And he goes, I did ask you three times to make sure I could do this project. I said, I just don't know that I understood the extent of construction. I never do. But anyway, I'm super blessed. My husband and I and the two gals that are doing our doing hospitality team. That's the other piece of our ministry here at Family Missions Company are doing the called and gifted workshop through St. Catherine of Siena Institute. Ooh, another shout out to Sherry White. Nice. Ben thinks he might have a charism for craftsmanship. And I would totally and utterly agree because he's constantly working with his hands and fixing things. And anyway, he's got to discern it. But it was really cool to, for just my mind to open and say, oh, when you fix a bathroom, this is building the kingdom of God, even though it doesn't look like anything that I thought building the kingdom of God should look like. <laughs> that that is so cool. Awesome. And I think that's... For our 13 viewers, shout out to our 13 viewers who have stayed with us Woo, through this uh, journey. We love you all, 13 of you. We, uh, like, look how cool that is. Like, the Lord is calling your husband to, you know, work by the, the sweat of his brow, working on some manual labor in the house. That corresponds to his natural uh, talents, his personality. And when he says, yes, Lord, I will use my natural talent and gifts and apply them to your will in the context of my vocation as a husband and father, that's building the kingdom of God. Yeah. Like he didn't have to uh, 
you know, build a hospital or raise a million dollars. Like he had to do what the Lord called him to do in the say yes in the context of his life. So for our 13 viewers, guys, gals, the Lord's will is done in the little details. And it, it, I think it's when we take our natural gifts, you know, the, the church tells us that grace builds on nature. You know, we take our natural gifts, our natural personality. And when we use those in the way that the Lord is inviting to in our daily lives, in the kitchen, in the living room, in the dining room, at the grocery store, at the gas station, like that's God's will. That's building the kingdom. It doesn't have to be more crazy than that, I don't think. Yeah, super true. Well, Father Anthony, this is your Get to Know You podcast. Moi, me, myself. Wait, Natalia, you want me to talk about myself? Uh, yes, humble Father oh, yeah, Anthony. Okay, all right, good. Twist your arm a little bit. Okay. I have got some really great questions for you. Some that are funny and easy and some that are going to make you think. And Ooh. you haven't seen these questions, so Ooh. I'm super excited. <laughs> all right. Get to know you. Ready? What's Ready. your favorite snack food? Favorite snack food, original Pringles. Ooh, good one. Yes. Uh, one book that you would love to reread? Mm. The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Ooh. It's the story of uh, what happens in purgatory and why some souls go there and why some souls go, great to ha- go right to heaven. But in, all in C.S. Lewis's, uh, you know, very literary explanation of things. It's, it's a gem. Ooh, rich. Love it. Um, if your house was burning down and you could only take two things, what would it be? Can't be religious. Can't be religious. No, come on. Like, I take my I Bible and a crucifix, would... of course. Okay. Well, in my rectory, we have the chapel, so I could take Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And okay, I was going to sh- say that. should take those, but get you get two some... extra things, two personal things. Okay. Two okay. personal things. I'm here in my room. In my rectory, Natalia is across the country in some other state. We're connecting via social media on our podcast. So I'm looking around my room. What would I take? What would I take? Two things if the rectory was burning down. I would take my backpack, which is right here. I've just come back from my day off. Mm. And my backpack is filled with uh, not only like a change of clothes and toiletries, but it's also filled with a bunch of books and magazines that I brought to read on my day off yesterday. So it's kind of like a pre-packed, (laughs) ready-to-go escape survival bag that I have ready to rock. So that's sitting right here. (laughs) It's totally more than two things, but okay. All right. Backpack is one. The backpack (laughs) itself is one thing. Okay. All right. (laughs) Come on. Let me have that one. You, You got it. Okay, fine. And I would take my car keys so that I could get around. Oh, that was super practical. Look at you. Shout out to the practicality of Father Anthony. I'll take it. All right. So now all right, so far we're navigating this minefield of getting to know you. And so far we're doing so good, but I have a feeling that it's about to crank up. So oh, yeah. let's see what you come up with. Let's go. Okay. This one's a tricky one. Okay. What's your favorite memory that you have from childhood? Maybe favorite's a strong word. So let's just go with the first happy, amazing memory you can think of as you're on the spot. Wow. Well, the first memory that I can remember 
I remember I wrote my college essay about my first memory, like the application for getting into college. Mm. And the memory was I was three or four years old in our old house. And my grandfather, who's since passed away, I was I was on the floor in my room with my brother, Michael. Shout out to my brother, Mike Federico, one of my four siblings. What's up, Michael? Michael and I were on the floor in our room and my grandfather came into the room and he had brought with him a live lobster because we were having lobster sauce, spaghetti and lobster for dinner that night. And he brought with him the lobster. It had like the, the big elastic bands on the claws. And he, I was three or four years old and he put the lobster on the ground, uh, the carpet of my room. Little did this poor lobster know that it was going to be eaten later on, but he <laughs> he kind of let it just like, you know, meander towards you. And it's got the rubber bands on the claws. But I remember, you know, being four, three or four years old and seeing this lobster crawling towards me. It's so out of context. And I just remember my grandfather's laugh. He had a nice laugh as he kind of like played, held us, mm. helped us play with the lobster and he showed it to us and let it walk toward us a little bit. And I just remember, always remember his big belly laugh. and. Uh, yeah, that was that was the first thing that came to mind. That's good. Were you scared? Yeah. Probably. Oh, okay. But you just remembered the laugh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna laugh every time I the kids are scared and maybe they'll remember my happy laugh. Lobster laugh. <laughs> Show them a lobster. That was great. Super touching. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Here's another one. What? When was the first time that you thought about being a priest? This goes into a larger question because I feel like part of being a priest is having a vocation story. And so I want you to be mm -hmm. able to have some time to just share that and who you were pre-priesthood sure. or pre-conversion. So first time you thought about being a priest and then tell, develop it, tell us what it's like. Yeah. The first time I thought about being a priest was in high school. I was at a uh, vocations talk. I went to Notre Dame High School in West Haven, Connecticut. Shout out to Notre Dame, Green Knights. And they brought in a priest to talk about the life of a priest. And I have to admit, I was kind of sitting in the back row, blowing that proverbial bubble like, eyes glazed over <laughs> could care could not care less about what this priest was talking about and i remember so what am i you know, i'm a freshman in high school so what's that 15 16 14 14 and i remember not hearing the words but feeling the words very much in my soul anthony you will be a priest someday <gasps> and i kind of did this like flinch like dramatic like looking around like who said that? Wow. And, you know, after that high school and college, I definitely tried to shove that voice and that phrase as far back as possible. So living my life in a way that kind of like, don't you tell me what to do? Mm. Crazy voice. Did you recognize at the time, like, this is the voice of God? Or was it later that you were like, oh, yeah, that was the moment? I, I don't quite remember. I think so. But I also wasn't in a place to receive uh, that message, receive that voice with all of its love and fatherly concern and 
and and the, like the magnitude of it because at 14 growing up in a catholic family but maybe not the most devout family uh i had grown up looking at the priesthood as all these no's mm. all these no's no you can't get married no you can't have sex no you can't have a wife no you can't have your own family no you can't be a dad no you can't play with your kids no you can't make your own money no mm. and with that sort of conditioning like the priesthood be, who, who would want to be a priest with all those no's so it wasn't late until later in life in my 20s that I started to see the priesthood as a great yes yes lord I offer myself entirely to you for your people whatever you want whatever you need my body my mind my soul my spirit my masculinity my memory my my future everything you are lord yes I offer it to you all on this altar for your people and so once you start talking about it as this great big yes it starts to for me it started to draw on this like this stirring inside of me of like, wow, like this is a, a life worth living. This is a, a noble way of life. And the no's that are a part of it are no thank yous in service of a greater yes. So, mm. yeah. That was great. So how do you go Praise from God. being the 14 year old kid rolling your eyes to <laughs> now being the 80 year old? I mean, sorry, the uh, young <laughs> Strapping priest that you are. Oh, God, praise God, <laughs> Yeah, how do you get there? I don't know. God is good. I fought him every step of the way, basically. And the joke is like I'm here in um, the priesthood, and no thanks to me, truly. So yeah. Um, Wait. So I, I just want to pause you really quick okay. right there, because I definitely had this moment as I'm parenting a very stubborn child. Shout out to my stubborn children. <laughs> <laughs> And to all stubborn children out there that I was like, man, all of these other saints went ahead and like made organizations and like started orders and reformed and whatever. And I said, Lord, I will be a saint if you can just manage this stubborn heart and you can conform this stubborn mm -hmm. heart. So I'm all about this. Uh, I'm all on this kick to like, OK, Lord, you can take care of my stubborn heart. <laughs> like, my path to sainthood will be we conquered the stubborn heart together didn't we lord amen <laughs> and no although, thanks to me okay <laughs> although all the 13 viewers and i all we all know that natalia is uh much harder on herself than uh anyone else's perhaps this is the secret of the saints <laughs> to be gentle with others but hard on yourself but let's just all the 14 of us will remind you natalia schumann that you left the traditional normal american way of life because you felt called to raise your kids in third world countries ministering to the poor and spreading the gospel as legit missionaries and so when you talk about like conquering a stubborn heart and like i'm like wow i wish i could be as i wish it could be a big of a failure as she thinks she is you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah, yes, you're doing something right I could, I mean, I could turn to you and I could say the same thing. Like, man, the Lord had a victory in your life because you went from being this 14 year old kid and living your life in such a stubborn way that now he's had the victory. But even when you see the ways that the Lord has had the victory, there's still this desire, like conquer more, Lord, conquer more. Like, okay, that was a big thing. Yeah, I get it. But there's still small things on a daily basis that I desire for you to conquer. I desire for you to conquer this the envy that's inside of me, or I desire for you to purify this part of my heart that doesn't like weakness and won't let myself or others around me look or be weak, you know? 
There's like so mm. many mm. moments where I feel like, okay, Lord, conquer this too, because I can't conquer it myself. Or, I mean, I have to get even get to the desire of conquer it. Part of me is like, nope, I'm perfectly fine just as I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> Natalia, we're, uh, we're in our Practically Catholic podcast. This is a getting to know you episode where we're following the Holy Spirit talking now about conquering places in our heart. Uh, as the Lord grow, helps us to grow in more and more freedom, Natalia, what practical tip, does anything come to mind? Because we're all about being practical here at Practically Catholic. Do you have anything for the 13 listeners about uh, practical ways to surrender that weakness, practical ways to let the Lord expand victory in our hearts? Oh my gosh, I'd have to think about it. Um, no, does anything come to your to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, the nightly examine. When we review the day and, uh, under the wisdom and light of the Holy Spirit, and we pay a special attention to the sins we committed to that day and also the movements of grace, mm. and then we make a firm resolution for the next day about the, the good that we did poorly or the sins that we committed, we make a firm resolution to grow in the corresponding virtue the next day, and little by little, those gains add up into mm. life-changing. So. I hope our viewers are familiar with the examine. So anyway, that's we'll do shout out to St. Ignatius of Loyola and the exam. Right. True story. Yeah, that's great. We could do a whole nother podcast on conquering the stubborn heart. Um, okay. So tell us, I want to hear a little bit more of this journey uh, from that 14 year old boy to the priest that you are today. The like right. five minute version. Five minutes. Let's go. Ready? Go. Uh, I went to Notre Dame and West Haven, then to Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island. And after college, I, like so many other young guys from Connecticut, wanted to work at ESPN because it's mm. in our home state and growing up a big sports fan. It seemed like, why not? So I ended up getting this job, praise God, at ESPN in the videotape library as like a I worked for a third-party staffing agency, and it was so exciting. I was on ESPN's campus, but not quite a, a full employee yet. And I was there for in the videotape library for six months, and I ended up getting a gig with uh, ESPN Digital Media in the mobile group. So this would have been 2007, 2008, so right at the beginning of the smartphone revolution, the smartphone boom. So I, I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. And I ended. I worked uh, at ESPN for about seven years, mostly in mobile and digital media, working on the mobile web, so and, and mobile applications. And I was traveling a little bit. I was writing, writing a lot, which I love to do. Um, I was doing. I had a very cool job. I was dating. Uh, I worked nights and weekends, so my social life wasn't too crazy. But like, I was having a lot of fun with my coworkers, and I thought I was. I thought I had everything that the world could offer me. Like, I have a cool job. I'm making some money. I'm having fun. Like you live in the dream. I have, I have it. I have it all. But I would go to. I would go home from work at night and stare at the ceiling because I felt like something was missing, and I felt like so unsatisfied, even though I had everything the world told me I should have. So mm. I said, "Okay, you know what I'm missing? I'm not helping anyone. You know, you make makes people feel good when they help someone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. On my day off from ESPN, I am going to volunteer with the elderly." I'm going to go to these nursing homes and just visit with them, make them laugh. You know, I've always had a soft spot for the elderly. And so on my mm-hmm. day off, I'm going to, I'm going to visit and, and just try to help them to not feel so neglected. So I start doing this and 
something like awakens inside me. Like I feel so alive when I'm moving from room to room in this nursing home, just sitting by the bedside, talking, laughing, you know, hearing their stories. And I would go to work the next day and be like, can't concentrate on my work because I just really wanted to be back in that nursing home. Mm. And I was like, Oh, what does this mean? What, what is going on with me? Like, and then I started thinking about what that voice told me when I was 14. You will be a priest someday. I'm like, absolutely not. So I dove deeper into my work at ESPN. I dove deeper into the bar scene. Uh, anything I could do to like numb that voice and just live in the world and, and have as much fun as possible and advance in my career, rat race, partying, the whole thing. And But I couldn't deny like there was this sense of like, well, I think I would be happy if it's, if I feel this happy helping people and that way of life is a lot of no's, but it's helping people. Like maybe I I started to think about it and (laughs) rationalize the idea. Yeah, (laughs) I guess, I guess that I wasn't thinking about it fast enough because after several years of dragging my feet at ESPN, not really discerning the priesthood, the way that it deserves to be discerned, I was fired from my job at ESPN in 2012 when I was accused of writing a racial slur as a headline in an Mm. article that I wrote. So for about a month, I was this high profile villain, you know, this big racist in society front page of uh, the newspapers and Saturday Night Live did a skit about it. And I was this bad guy for the whole world. And I got hate mail and death threats from all over the country. It was a very, very dark period of my life. I thought about killing myself. Uh, it was an awful period that I don't wish upon anyone. But with, with, because God is good and all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, uh, he started to draw some good from it. So first of all, um, I got a a company in Stanford, Connecticut reached out to me and said, listen, we don't have a job for you or anything like that, but we know a lot of people in in the sports world. Why don't you come in and meet with our, our executives and we'll try to network for you. We feel terrible about the way that you're being treated in the media. So I was like, sure, absolutely. Like to get a new job, that would be awesome. And it turns out uh, at this meeting that I had with these guys, uh, they ended up offering me a job as a consultant we loved each other so much. Like they really enjoyed me. I really loved them. Uh, they ended up hiring me basically on the spot. And I'm so grateful to uh, Doug Vunick, Lou Bakes, Brian Kalinowski, the guys at Live Clips in Stamford, Connecticut for. Yeah, the shout yeah out good job. Those guys uh, rescued me literally and figuratively and gave me a job and a fresh start. And turns so I'm working uh, now. I'm working on the business side of sports instead of the content side. And it turns out the best part about my new job is I get a lunch break every day because at ESPN I would eat my lunch quickly at my desk. I was working nights and weekends, but now in Stanford I'm working Monday through Friday, nine to five. And so they're like, "Yeah, take a lunch. Get out of here. Get get out for an hour." But I didn't really know what to do, so I just ate a sandwich quickly and then walked around town. And on my journeys. In de- walking around downtown Stanford on my lunch break, I happened across St. John the Evangelist Catholic Basilica, which is a church in busy downtown Stanford, Connecticut. And it was a beautiful spring day. And I walked past and the church doors were open and I could see that they were going to church in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day. Now, 
Natalia, did you know that Catholics <laughs> go to Mass during the week? <laughs> I did, just not this morning. Yes, just not this morning. So <laughs> that was when I grew up Catholic, but I had no idea that daily Mass was a thing. That's wild. So the first day I walked past, the second day I walked past, the third day. How biblical. On the third day. On the decided, third day. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to go inside and go to this daily mass. So I got hooked. I started going to daily mass every day on my lunch break. And when I would leave the office at 12, you know, it was a 1210 mass. I would leave the office at 1204 to, to maximize my time. And my coworkers would start to be like, ask me, where do you go every day? I'm like, come and see. <laughs> Follow <laughs> so one me. How oh, so Jesus of you. I know. One by one, my coworkers, who were these like be uh, brilliant, beautiful people from all over the world, uh, Muslims, Hindus, agnostics, Buddhists, non-Catholics, fallen away Catholics, non-denominational Christians. One by one, all these people started coming to mass with me. And we became like this little band of disciples and they were very smart people, very, very smart. And since I was the resident Catholic of the group, when we would go out for dinner or drinks after work, uh, they would ask me questions about what they experienced at Mass, and I would usually lie to them or, <laughs> or answer to the best of my ability. But when I would go home at night, I would, like, dust off the catechism of the Catholic Church off this shelf and, like, so I could answer their questions. So going to daily Mass every day and then studying, reading the catechism basically every night to answer their questions so I could go to work the next day and be like, oh, that thing that we talked about at the—that's called uh, transubstantiation, <laughs> you know? Like, I had, to, I had to research what the Church teaches so that I could answer their questions in a substantial way. And the more I— delved into this catechism, the more I realized, like, wow, this is the truth. This is real. Like, the Catholic Church is right about everything, about, about the human way of life, about what it means to be human. Like, this is real. It was undeniable. And so going to Mass every day for, like, a year and a half, studying the catechism, still, like, you know, in the bar scene, in the world, but, like, gradually feeling that that desire slip away and being replaced by desires for like service and, and self-sacrifice and self-gift. And so then the final story that kind of sealed everything for me was at this busy downtown church, the same priest who's going to say the 1210 mass is hearing confessions in the back of church mm. before mass begins. And the, there's 12, 15 people in line every day. And every day, I would watch as he would come out of the confessional and apologize to the two or three penitents still left in line because he had to stop hearing confessions in order to go start the mass on time. And every day I would see in this priest's face like some real pain because he really wanted to hear their confession, mm. but he also had an obligation to start the mass on time. And so I watched this happen for a couple of weeks. And then one day I said to the Lord, Lord, if we just had more priests, you know, we could have two lines of confession going and, oh, <laughs> oh, if we just had more priests. Wait, oh, you want, you, oh, there's said, a problem, right. Lord. There's a problem, <laughs> Lord. So I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to, I'm, I'm done fighting you. I will go to seminary for six, you know, one semester, six months, whatever. I will go on a trial basis. I will hate it. And then I will come back to Stanford. And I entered the seminary for the Archdiocese of Hartford. And that was seven years ago. I was in theological college at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. for six years. And then I was ordained a priest 
in June of 2019, and I have never been happier. Praise Ooh, God. <laughs> shout out to our priests. <laughs> there are still so many sinners in line, aren't there? But we have one yeah. more priest. <laughs> Praise God. There is one more line. I love that, Father Anthony. That is such a beautiful story. It just, man, it speaks to me about God in so many different ways. Like, first, that he's not totally afraid to smash down all of our bad idols that we go ahead and make for ourselves. Second, that in those moments, and Ben and I have had one in our life where it just looks like the whole world is out to get you and bad things are happening to good people and there's persecution and there's... We didn't have death threats, praise God, <laughs> but, but I didn't feel like a worthy person at all during our moment. And it didn't sound like you did either, but that the Lord was still victorious and was able to mm -hmm. take that false identity that we had cloaked ourselves in and give us a new identity, a new identity saying, you know, you're a beloved son of the father. You're a beloved daughter of the father. So Anyway, wow. that's so great. And then also you had good Samaritans come in and give you another chance. Like, yes. shout out to you guys. Good job. Just sometimes it takes somebody stepping out in faith and saying, you know, I think they're worth more than that. I think, I think we should give them a shot. And then finally to see like, God took the initiative to say like, you will be a priest, but it wasn't until you decided to take the initiative and be like, yes. man, there's a problem out here, Lord. And he goes, Oh, okay. Really good. We're on the same page. <laughs> oh, you notice that problem too? Good. It only took you about 20 years. <laughs> but anyway, just like his patience and his fidelity and yeah. he's revealed things to Ben and I before that have taken years to come about. And I don't know that I was pleased or blessed or happy when they were revealed until the appropriate time. But I mm. felt like that scripture where it says, um, Jesus says, I have called you friends because a, because a friend tells another friend what's going to happen. I just totally butchered that. But I know what you mean. Yeah. Basically, he's like, I'm not I'm not your master because a master doesn't tell a slave what's going to happen. But I'm your friend because I'm like preparing you and mm. and just making what I know available to you so that you don't feel like I'm trying to pull any punches, you know. So anyway, thank you for That's sharing. Awesome. Thank you for summarizing it with <laughs> such, you know. No, I appreciate it the way you listen. That was cool. And also, it just reminds me, this young man in the parish here uh, came to me a couple of weeks back and said, you know, I feel like the Lord might be calling me to priesthood, but that's not something I really want to do. So do you have any advice about how to get out of that? And I'm like, dude, you're coming <laughs> to the wrong guy if you're looking for advice on how to not become a priest. I, uh, um, do I'm you want to go in the belly of the whale? These are your two yeah. options. Do what the Lord says or go in the whale of the belly or the belly of the whale. You yeah. choose. You choose, bud. And he's going to choose, choose the belly of the whale just like I it. chose the belly of the whale in my life. And or you should tell the, the young man, stop praying the Our Father prayer because in there it says, thy will be done. And True. he really means it. <laughs> right. Don't, don't say it unless you mean it. Don't like say it. Because his will will be done. Trust me, one way or another. Um, I love that story. I have a couple more questions for you as we wrap up Let's our time see. together. Sure. But I would like to talk just a little bit more about your priesthood and prayer do you have like favorite prayer types or favorite ways that you pray sure i uh 
as I said, I have a we have a chapel here in the rectory. Shout out to my pastor, Father Jeff Romans, the pastor of St. Bridget of Sweden Parish. My pastor and I have a chapel here in the rectory. So my day begins uh, with a holy hour with Jesus in adoration. Um, I would say that the thing that I learned most about priesthood in my first year and a couple months is that our work, our ministry, our, our, our homilies, our talks, our, our visiting the sick, all that comes from the holy hour, from our time in prayer. It's not like an extra thing that we do. Like, the, I would say that I learned that dying with Jesus in the holy hour every day and sharing in an intimate way in his, his priesthood every morning, that then becomes like the spiritual energy that, you, that empowers like the work that you mm. do as a priest. The priest's prayer life, and thank God for my spiritual director who's so, so good to me and so firm with me in a loving way. Shout like out priest, to your spiritual director. Yeah, amen. I, no I names, I no names needed. The priest's prayer life is like has to involve an element of death. Like it, it also involves, of course, joy and, and healing and life and intimacy with Jesus, but there has to be a moment of death there so that when it comes time to offer the sacrifice of my life in the context of parish ministry, like I've already begun my day um, with this element of, of self-gift. And so, you know, now that I can just, now that naturally transitions to the rhythm of life of the parish. So yes, daily holy hour. I try to say the rosary every day. Trying to get closer to our Blessed Mother. Shout out to uh, Blessed Michael J. McGivney, the uh, the parish priest from yes! the Archdiocese of Hartford. How far away is the parish that he served at from where you are in Connecticut? Well, he was born 10 miles from where I sit right now. Whoa. And he And he ministered in St. Mary's New Haven, where I was born, where his body is today, where the first Knights of Columbus meeting was ever held. So wow. really, really getting on Father McGivney for extra graces because of this exciting time we've had here in the Archdiocese of Hartford for his beatification just this past weekend. No kidding. This is yeah. super, super awesome. I just was amazed by who he was and the life of sanctity that he lived and that the ways that he desired to fight for his, for families, for families. Like mm -hmm. he started the Knights of Columbus because he wanted men to remain Catholic and yes. something that, as I watched, there's an awesome documentary on Formed. So if anybody wants uh, information about Father Michael McGivney, check out Formed. Here's our shout out. Um, but it said that he went ahead and loved baseball. So we started a baseball team at the parish. I thought that's totally practically Catholic, right? Like That would be if so us. People <laughs> love baseball and it's at the Catholic church. Then they'll go to the Catholic church because they love baseball. Anyway, I thought that you know was what awesome. Else he did, Natalia? What? I love this. He uh, organized the young people of his parish into theater and drama guilds and groups. Mm. And they put on plays with like elaborate costuming and sound and choreography, plays and theater. And they got so good. And Father McGivney was the director that the New York Times came down and reviewed one of their plays. And wow. they were like, wow, it's pretty good for an amateur production. And he, just because he saw a need for like young people were just hanging around, not doing anything. So he's like, how can I get them to do something productive, but also within the context of like this parish community. And yeah. just like you said with baseball, like he organized them into like a drama group and. But he had to have understood this 
piece about discipleship that's like lives lived together, rubbing up against each other. And like how much of the faith can be transmitted just by, like you said, you know, your priestly ministry flows from your prayer time. It's like, you called it your spiritual energy or it's like the, the Holy Spirit being infused in you in your prayer time, the grace, this divine life that's given to you in your prayer time is what feeds the people. It's like this idea of Jesus saying, feed them yourselves. And yet he gives you everything that you need to go ahead and pour out into your people. So he had to have understood this deep, like, as I work alongside them, I might be directing a play, but I also am caring and loving for their heart and showing them what gentleness and kindness and patience and love looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure so much of who he was and who much how, or who Christ was, was being transmitted to them, even if they were playing baseball or directing a play or whatever, like, because that's what a saint is, right? He just like oozes Jesus all over the people, but he knew that people have to like, want to come to the church. They have to want to hang out with father Michael McGivney, you know? And it's the same thing that we talked about in the beginning with your husband, Ben, like redoing this bathroom. That's what sanctity looks like for him, you know, in the context of his life. And like you, you shared before we went recording, your oldest daughter is having a meltdown about the pandemic and yeah. she's eight years old and you mothering her in that way, when you probably would rather be going to mass and having that precious solo time, like that's, that's sanctity for you. And that's practical. And I love it. Yeah. Well, we just wrapped this one up full circle. I love it. Worked out. <laughs> I love it. Anything else you want our listeners to know about you? Please pray for priests, not only for, for more priests and an increase of vocations to the priesthood. But uh, I just beg your prayers for myself and all priests because uh, we get one, you know, the, the stakes are too high. Souls are at stake and it's such a, it's a beautiful way of life and a, a rewarding way of life. And I just beg you for your prayers that uh, you would remember all your priests. We need you. We will totally pray for you, Father Anthony. Thank you. And I want to know, do you still go to nursing homes? Yeah, it's my one of my favorite things in my ministry. The in seminary, I was super psyched for hearing confessions and saying the mass, of course. But I did not expect how much I would love the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Mm. There's been a few occasions in my my priesthood so far of I walked out of a of a room and I whispered uh, <laughs> I whispered something nasty to the enemy. Because I was so confident that I just snatched, the Lord just snatched a soul from his grasp and mm. rescued a soul from the kingdom. And like, I had this moment of like, on like several occasions through the, through the grace of the sacrament, like I was so blown away by what the Lord does through that sacrament, which we don't talk a lot about. Maybe we'll do an episode about it, but also yeah. the apostolic pardon the words that a priest has the authority to say over someone who's unconscious and when they can't go to confession at the end are so powerful. So mm. to our 13 viewers, if you have never heard the apostolic pardon, my, Google it. It's, it's an incredible thing. So whenever I'm saying those words in front of a family of watching their loved ones, I really add a little gravitas and solemnity. And not that I don't do that anyway, but like I add a little something to it because a lot of people have mention afterwards, oh, can I go to confession? Because the, those words are so powerful. So cool question. Yes, sacrament of That's anointing. That's awesome. So awesome. 
All right. Well, Father Anthony, thank you for being honest and open and bearing your heart with us. Amen. We are going to pray for you and we're okay. going to close our episode by praying our Hail Mary. So if you're new here, we at the very end do not ask you to like, subscribe, share with a friend. Those those things are great, but we really want to exercise our faith and our power in just prayer and uh entrusting this podcast to our Lord and asking Mary to go ahead and bless our efforts. And more importantly, for the sake of the salvation of souls and the conversion of sinners. So will you join us in praying our Hail Mary? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May each of you know the peace of Jesus Christ, which is beyond all understanding. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a wrap. Let's go, Natalia. Good job. Mm-hmm.